Good day, everybody. I hope you got those emails drafted because we're talking about the great resignation in this episode of Beyond the Borderline with your hosts, Connor, Cam, Ryan, and Phil. Welcome back. So this Howdy. is episode 25. We're a quarter of the way to 100, and uh, it feels good. So thanks, everyone, for helping us to get this far. <laughs> Uh, I didn't actually tell any of the boys yet, but we just crossed over a thousand listens. Um, so that's over 23 public episodes, over a thousand listens. So thank you everyone for listening and for supporting us this way. Um, so yeah, today we're departing uh, big time from our, our topic last week, which was haunted locations. And this week we're going to touch on um, something uh, maybe that affects us more as young people in the workforce, and that is the great resignation. So just to start it off and kind of give you guys a picture of what, the, of what, um, what this phenomenon is, <clears throat> in August of 2021, well, in the entire year of 2021, um, there were 38 million people in the United States that quit their jobs, according to the Department of Labor. In November of 2021, 4.8 million people quit their jobs. That's the highest number of people to resign in any given month in 20 years. Um, so basically, we have a few questions that we need to ask. One, is this great resignation phenomenon real? Is it as big, as impactful as some people would have it uh, seem? Or are the statistics a little bungled and maybe don't tell the full picture of, the, of what's going on? Two, if it is happening and if it is happening to such an extent that it has a major impact on our economy and on how people view labor going forward, what happens after? Is this going to be a movement that ushers in a new golden age for workers and gives them more bargaining power compared to their employers? Or um, will it do nothing at all? Or will it result in kind of a mass exodus from the workforce um, akin to the quote-unquote lying flat protest in China, which we can talk about, but basically something akin to a, a collapse in the consumer-based domestic economy? And then three, is this great resignation, is this exodus from the workforce by millennials and Gen Z justified? Is it motivated by legitimate grievances that they have? Or is this a case of young people are super entitled? So this is, uh, it covers a lot of ground. This is probably going to be a two-part episode, so buckle up. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to talk about, and this is really important. Obviously, very topical to the current situation, especially in this uh, pandemic slash post-pandemic era. So yeah, let's dive into it. And uh, this was Phil's topic of choice. So I'm going to throw it off to him to kind of explain uh, how he sees this whole phenomenon. And then we can uh, we can go from there. All right. Thank you for that intro, Cameron. Um, I wanted to first uh, just cover the first question on if um, if the Great Resignation does exist, why does it exist? Or on the flip side, um, if it doesn't exist, why is it getting the um, recognition that it's getting? Um, so I take the standing based on 
the extent that it's been given, I'm not sure. Um, one reason for why I think that it may not be happening is just employers' frustration um, through this entire hiring process through COVID. I think it may be like a man a manifestation of their frustration, um, where they think that there's is it supposed labor shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I take the the stance that it, it does exist. Um, there's a few reasons for that that I think. Um, if you do think it exists, in my opinion, I think there's kind of two camps that you could sit in. The first being that the modern worker um, thinks that they deserve more from their yeah. employer. Um, and the second is that they are seeking the least work possible. Right. So one, they're quitting their jobs because they could get a better job at a higher pay without less stress, or they're seeking to circumvent the entire economy and just do whatever they want at any given time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like not to be lazy, but to be entrepreneurial, do you mean? Or um, no, the you deserve better is, is the entrepreneurial, like start your own business, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Like the second camp would be trying to work less. Right. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I'll just throw out a few stats. I, I definitely I, came to the. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, you know, like you say people are lazy and stuff like that. But I think and this is my point of view on a lot of things is like people value their time, right? Like time is not free. So it's like, are you, are you willing to work harder for more money? Yeah. But are you willing to work harder for the same pay? Probably not. So I think that's a big thing that's affecting this like resignation rather than being lazy or not wanting to work more. It's like, if you want me to work more or work harder, I need to be compensated for that. And I think there was a disconnect between that where companies just expected you to do more without being compensated for it. Where now Mm -hmm. I think, there's like, and I think that this is like a wake up call to companies where it's like, well, if I want my employees to go beyond over and above and beyond, well, they need to be, there needs to be some sort of comp- compensation for that, whether it be more money, more time off later down the road, like whatever it is. And I think, you know, that was a thing that's opening the eyes to, to a lot of people rather than, as you said, like lazy or not wanting to work hard. It's like, my time is valuable. So if you want me to spend more time, at work or doing more work make it worth my time to do it mm-hmm. my my argument essentially um i don't necessarily agree that like um in general like people are becoming less lazy um but what i'm trying to uncover is which one of those two pillars are more true um are is the worker um thinking that they're entitled or are they seeking less work? So I think, um, and I'll, I'll name a few things uh, later on. Um, I'm starting to think that there's kind of like two philosophies that I want to go into after. Um, but I think generally we have it pretty good in Western society mm-hmm. in terms of labor laws, things like that. In, the, in Europe, um, they're becoming or they're cracking down on... Uh, labor laws, but I'm under the impression that um, they're not deserving more. They're just seeking more. 
Um, not, wait, not deserving more, what money, or benefits? Or? Uh, compensation or work-life balance or something of that nature. They're not. Uh, they're as not in general, satisfied. you mean? Yeah, yeah, they're not satisfied with their working right. conditions at this point. Um, so there's a, a phenomenon that I came aware of called lying flat. Uh, so typically in Western society, you've, we've all heard of nine to five, you know. Um, a well, nine you to five... I think you should preface that by saying that's like lying flat is not European. That's China. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll go into um, the European side of like the labor law specifically. Um, but but, lying, but the, the lying flat movement isn't part of Europe. That's part of China. Yeah, it is part of China. And yes. Um, so essentially what the lying flat uh, philosophy is, is because, uh, well, I talked about how in Western society, it's kind of nine to five is typically... Um, if you work in an office or things like that, that's typically the hours that you would see per day. Whereas in China, it's much more like a 12 hour a day, six days a week with a one day of rest. It's very, mm -hmm. China right now, at least is very keen on becoming as productive as possible. Um, having um, producing in abundance as possible. And so they need to generally get more of their workers. So they think uh, that this is the best way to do that is just to work them essentially until they revolt like this. <laughs> yeah, um, which so is actually really that... interesting. Like, I, I imagine you're going to touch on this shortly, Phil, but I just want to say how like dichotomous that relationship is from a country which has been under strict, strict, communist rule for the last 73 years you know communism being a movement originally born out of the um out of the theory that you know uh, workers rights and, and yada 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 um and it's just really interesting to see that one of the most prominent communist countries in the world although of course in many ways they're not communist at all um is exploiting their workers to such an extent, you know, it's just very strange because that's the argument from the communist theorists and the Marxists is that capitalism is exploitation. Right. And that working, you know, uh, selling your labor is exploitation where now you see China under the rule of the communist party doing the exact same thing. Um, so, but of course, you know, they would say that they're, their economy isn't, it's, I mean, it's not a socialist economy, but yeah, it's just a really interesting um, double standard, I think, that they have. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway, go on. Yeah, so the lying flat phenomenon kind of ties into the deserving better uh, principle of the Great Resignation, because, I mean, obviously, like, at some point, that's just not sustainable, you know, and partly they're working these long hours because of, like, peer pressure, um, familial pressure, um, cultural pressure, like you'll be shunned if you don't put in these long hours and get these prestigious degrees and have mm -hmm. a great job. Like it is, it's like, it's like ingrained in their society that they just have to do this. And then just as of recently, um, they're starting to revolt and they're just, they're like napping in the middle of the street because they're just <laughs> burnt out. They mm -hmm. just, they can't do it any longer. And then um, another phenomenon 
I'm also uh, starting in China um, as kind of like a, a next step and more of a radical step than the lying flat. And it's kind of making its way into North America is the, it's called Sun Hey God, which is kind of a philosophy where if you were to do one day of work, you have the means to have three days of pleasure. So it's kind of like a dichotomy where you would only work to be able to mm. have time of your own. Right. There's purpose is stripped from it. And the only reason why you go up, why you wake up to work is to have pleasure. Um, yeah. I don't know about that, man. Like, yeah. We isn't can go that into kind that. Of, it's interesting. Isn't, it's interesting. Isn't that kind of what, what like life is right now when you think about it? Like when you're in school, you work over the summertime and then, you know, sometimes you keep a job in the school year, but it's only like one or two days a week or whatever. And then it's enough money for you to like have fun with your friends and stuff like that. And then, you know, after all your schooling is done or whatever, and you start in the workforce, then you work for like 20 years, 25 years, whatever. And then you retire. And then when you retire, you're on as like what you would consider to be like, one day of work for three days of pleasure it's like maybe you don't get those pleasure like those three days of pleasure in a row after your one day of work but then it's reciprocated once you retire yeah i i just think like there's a bit of a problem with the well, whole there's, language there's a around, bit, yeah it's kind but, of like if if i may it's kind of you're prolonging um leisure for greater success when you retire um but this is kind of like the flip side where you are you're like impulsive about your decisions essentially you're just like doing whatever you want when you want um i just think it's really interesting um kind of this like whole idea that the only reason why you work is to like enjoy it but at the end of the day there's there's meaning you know there's responsibility there's, so there's many issues that are kind of diluted um yeah like it, ma- it makes sense for like 20 year olds you mm-hmm. know and like it's it is an appealing philosophy, but then like a lot of appealing philosophies are not necessarily pathways to successful being in the world, you know. And it's like it just completely takes away from, like you said, responsibilities. And like, look, in a decade we're going to be trying to raise families and stuff, so work is going to take on a lot different meaning than just um, for our own pleasure, you know. I feel like it's. It, it's so tempting but it's such a shallow way of of looking at life like yeah when you just drag myself to my job so that i can you know have fun it's like it goes to the real heart of the question of you know is personal happiness and like seeking fun and contentment really the the goal of life you could say it is and it's hard to argue that right but it it, it totally strips away meaning yeah if you have the responsibility of family it's a lot different like you can't really have like those three days of pleasure well if you work one day for yourself and you have three days of pleasure for yourself well like if you have a family to raise like kids and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. then you have to sacrifice their life which you brought into so you you should have some sort of responsibility over at least making sure they make it to 18 somewhat comfortably i would say yeah yeah and also it fosters like a a complete lack of care in what you do and if everybody thought that way and nobody gave a shit about their jobs like what kind of state would our country be in you know i mean 
would you want your would you want the people managing your your money to not give a shit about their jobs you know would you want your boss not to give a shit about their job would you want your politicians and your uh you know the people that run the the supply You're chains correct. and stuff not to give a shit about their jobs right it's like at some point look we won't be able to enjoy the the service economy that we currently enjoy and all the the amazing things that we have in in such a wealthy society if if that was the case but is there a balance to be struck maybe i want to circle back to the original thing about the great resignation and just like give some like personal input and personal experience that i've seen from it because um and I know you have like a certain way of thinking about this, Phil, but I think like that golden age that they were talking about is almost, it's kind of happening right now. Like with all those people quitting, there's like, there was definitely a big shift from uh, an employer's market to an employee's market. Like before it was like, it was hard to find a, a, a decent job uh, because those spots were already filled and then people are hiring. And then like with COVID certain markets shifted, like I know, I'm in the tech industry. So there was like a giant boom in that because everything went online and, you know, <clears throat> I don't really, yeah, I guess I can disclose, like I'm in like the cybersecurity realm of things. And so that was a big market. And because of that, there was a big boom for demand. And then there was a big, like, as the company was growing, there was more and more spots that needed to be filled. Um, and maybe it was, like the perfect the perfect storm where there is a demand there is a need for jobs and there is it's an employee's market so they need people to fill these jobs i got a job that i you know five years ago i probably would have needed more experience to get it i've been successful in it which is nice but you know like this opportunity probably would have not presented itself five years ago to me mm-hmm. um and even like i'm just saying like not like five years ago when i was like younger i'm saying like if i was the same age as i am now five years ago i wouldn't be able to get this position so i think it is an employee's market like i'm definitely getting a very good salary for what i'm doing um you know i'm getting compensated i would say you know more than what the norm would would have been five years ago or expected norm would have been five years ago Mm -hmm. especially for like an entry-level position in this company that i'm at it's um, hard to so, tell if it's indicative of an entire market shift though. Like, well, like I'm getting I'm getting messages on LinkedIn every day for people asking me, like, hey, we have this opening of this job. Do you yeah. want to do you want it? Like people are reaching out on a daily basis asking asking to for interviews and stuff like that. So I would say it's a thousand percent an employees market right now. And I would say this is the golden age because you know there's lots of the, you get really good pay. You get good, good benefit. Like I get with my position now and a lot of other positions, you get full benefit, like full benefits. And if you don't get full benefits, there's some sort of compensation, whether it be like, you know, some companies don't do any benefits and they say you get an extra three grand to spend however you want a year, whatever it is. But would you say that's probably mostly or even only in the tech industry? Like for example, the most of the people that resigned, in the great resignation were service sector, hospitality, um, you know, restaurants, uh, travel and tourism, uh, stuff like that. And it's like, those people don't necessarily have, I'm just skeptical that it'll usher in like a wave of 
like you said, switching to an employee's economy. I'm not sure that we're actually going to have as much bargaining power as we think going ahead. I mean, it's not clear that wages overall are rising. I mean, they're not rising to keep up with inflation, especially with inflation running rampant as it is currently. And so, I mean, I think in the tech sector, like you're saying, that's definitely like has exploded and like, especially remote work as well is, is going to do wonders for, uh, for workers' rights, I think. Yeah. Now, uh, like when you say yeah. about the service industry, so like, I mean, before my job now, I was working, uh, well, originally it was a blue collar job and then it turned into a sales position in that blue collar job. But like, I feel like if you, if you can do a job decently, even like half decently well, you can transfer your skills into so many different areas. So if you feel like you're not being compensated correctly or, you know, you're not being treated as you should, I, I believe you can switch over to a new section, a, a new sector of business, a new company where you will be appreciated. And um, like, as you said, with all those service industry people quitting and stuff like that, there's definitely opening open positions. And if a company, and I, I, I like to think that most companies are smart enough, they're going to be like, well, if all these people are quitting from the company, we're doing something wrong. Let's look at it and figure out how we're going to do better. Yeah, yeah. you would hope so that would be how it works. Yeah. And I'm some people say, like, feel stuck though. Like, but I agree with your message, which is, yeah, if you don't feel like you're doing meaningful work and you're burning out, then leave and take your skills to market for yeah. sure. I believe that. Say, if you're working in something that you're not that passionate about, like if you're like, here's, here's my thing is like, if there's something that I'm like, going to be like a thousand percent, like, oh my God, like this is like the dream company. I would definitely take less pay. But if it's something that I like, you know, okay, whatever, like it's, it's a good job. Then compensate me for that passion because I'll chase that money all day. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of, I think a lot of companies understand that. Like there's some, there's some jobs that aren't, someone like when you're a kid you're like what do you want to do no one's going to be like yeah i want to become like a web developer yeah i want to program (laughs) yeah but you you compensate people for that and they're like yeah it's like it's a job and it pays me well so i'm happy because there's i think there's definitely a skill where it's like you know passion like your 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 outlook on your passion or what you're passionate about versus the money you're getting paid so and I think a lot of companies do realize, you know, it might not be the most glorious work, but if I'm going to pay, if I'm going to pay someone a lot of money, they're going to be happy to do it. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's my initial take on this, this idea of the golden age of employment and this being an an employee market. How do I want to phrase this? Um, what a lot of people don't understand is capitalism is a voluntary process. So when an employer comes to you and says, I'm going to pay you $16 an hour to do this job for me. If you don't like those terms, there is nothing, nothing forcing you to take that job, right? That's how capitalism works. In comparison to what we're seeing in China, they're basically saying you have to work these hours or you have no job. That's why people are lying down saying we don't want to work these hours. So when I start to see people who are saying, well, I think I don't need to work these many hours to get this amount of pay purely on the basis because they don't want to work that many hours that I see as entitlement and laziness. Now, I know this great resignation is not that simple, but from the research that I've done, I've seen a lot of that. And 
I don't think that is good for the economy. That's certainly not good. And if, and if more and more millennials and people of our generation are starting to feel that way, they need a big wake up call because I don't know who started to tell people that it's bad to work hard because at the end of the day, it's not bad to work hard. I find a lot of, you know, fulfillment and enjoyment in working hard. It keeps me busy because I've lived the lifestyle of, you know, just sitting at home and doing nothing and only working just enough to have money and then spending the rest of my time to, to, to just have a leisurely lifestyle. It sounds great on paper, but in actual practice, it gets pretty boring at the end of the day. You get kind of depressed. Mm-hmm. So and living paycheck to paycheck sucks. Dude. Yes, and it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's not fun. And you it's don't really aspire. It's the physiologically damning thing that you can do to your body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you don't aspire to anything great if all you're doing is um, living for the next moment or the next weekend, you know, like, but okay, on, on yeah, so what Ryan was some saying. People, like, some people are forced are forced to live paycheck to paycheck. Just yes, because yes, of yes. Like, the, like, you know, like um circumstance of their environment or whatever but you know i agree like you know it's great to have purpose but if you want like if you want me to work more than what i feel like is enough like it gives me enough purpose then compensate me for working over what i want i want to address that point and the pandemic really changed things a lot for for smart business owners a lot of smart business owners, the ones that manage to stay afloat, regardless of getting, you know, um, you know, wage subsidies in Canada, we got, um, you know, small businesses got a lot of help from the, the liberal government, which in a lot of ways has put our, our economy in the shitter. But I digress. Regardless of those uh, businesses that did receive wage subsidy, a lot of them figured out that there's a lot of dead weight in our businesses. There's a lot of people filling multiple positions when maybe one or two people could fulfill the positions of 10 people, right? A lot of businesses figured out, hey, look, we don't need to hire this many people. We can operate just as efficiently with less people and less overhead. And in fact, that'll improve our efficiency. So what, what's happening now is all these workers who are basically just not working all that hard and getting paid $20 an hour, suddenly they're having to work a little bit harder because there's less people in the workforce to do those jobs. So if those people are saying, oh, I need to be compensated more because I'm working more, well, hold on here a second. You should have been working this hard from the beginning. Yes, it's my fault as the employer for not making sure you were working that hard, but now I'm making sure that you're working that hard. So I'm sorry, Candyland's over. This is the way it's going to be. If you don't like it, there's nothing forcing you to stay here. Now, if you, but if you sign a contract and you say this is the parameters of the job, unless like you, you guys both signed this contract as the employer and the employee, you signed the contract saying this is, you know, this is the job expectation and you meet that job expectation. Then, you know, that's a completely different issue, Connor. Contract work is a very, contract work is a very vague and broad topic that does not fall under traditional employment. Well, okay, here, let's let's do this. Every time time you get a job, you have to sign it. You have to sign the employment contract. And in that employment contract, it states what the expectations of your job are. Now, do some people go over what that expectation is? 100%. And why do they do that? Because it's going to give them career growth. But some people are happy and are content with their current position. They'll do what the job requires them to do, but they don't want to do more because that inflicts on their personal time, which is fine. But I think it's, you know, like as an employer, if someone already signed this contract and you're like, well, we don't, there's a lot of like loot like there's a lot of weight being there's a lot of what do i want to say like empty yeah empty weight or whatever like people that aren't pulling their load 
you can get rid of them and you can hire somebody else to take one person to take on three people's jobs. But in that contract, you have to, you have to say, this is the expectation and they have to agree to that. Okay, now, but Hunter, a lot of the times those expectations are overly broad, especially let, let, let's take a really simple, let's say you uh, three people are working at McDonald's and they all sign the same employment contract saying your duties are to cook, operate the till and clean. Let's say two of those people are fulfilling that job. And the third person is kind of being lazy and not doing as much and is getting paid. And then the pandemic happens and he gets cut out or two people decide, or two of those three people get cut out because they're not worth the amount of work they're actually doing. And that third person is now doing all that work. Yeah, you might have an argument to say, listen, I'm doing the job of three people. But at the end of the day, you're still working within the parameters that were set in your contract. You are working these hours and these are your, these are your duties within those hours. If all of a sudden now you feel you're worth more money for doing that job, you can make that claim all you want. But that's what happened. That, but that's the beauty of capitalism is if you feel that way, you don't have to stay in that job. So you can go find another job. But at the end of the yeah. day, the employer says, this is what I'm paying you for this job. If you don't like it, too bad. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. So then this is the question then really that we should be asking, which is, well, one of the most broad questions you could possibly ask because it gets to the heart of our entire economic structure. But basically what we're talking about is like how much, look, I think there are some, uh, some legitimate grievances to this. One of the main questions at the beginning was what is this motivated by laziness and perhaps a certain attraction to socialist Marxist ideas or legitimate grievances and I think there are legitimate grievances. For example, inflation is at a 30-year high in Canada and the United States. Um, houses are rapidly becoming unaffordable for people of our age, you know. And there are still mechanisms. If you're smart with your money, of course, you can save money. You can invest money. There, there are many ways. And there are jobs everywhere. So, yeah, eventually, you'll be able to to live the life that our parents live, for example. Um, but there is not having meaningful work is, I think, a legitimate issue in some ways. And while I would, would agree with the general sentiment of if you don't like your job, go find a new one. Um, I think it still gets to, I don't think we can discard what these people are, are, are saying necessarily, because I think it speaks to the fact that like our whole culture, there's kind of like a cultural burnout in a sense. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got a question for you, Cam, actually at the beginning of the episode, you brought up the stats about how many people left their job. Yeah. Do you have the stats about, of those people that quit their jobs, how many of them moved to a different role or moved to a different uh, company? No, I, I, I do I, have another stat of, so there's one that's kind of on that, which is, so also this is according to NBC in August of 2021 in the United States, 55% of people polled um, said that they were going to look for a new job that year. If the that, great resignation is a product of people actually realizing their potential and they want, and they're wanting to execute and prove that they're better than the job that they're actually doing more power to them. If that is actually what's yeah. going on here, that's great. But if it's what we've been talking about, you know, prior to what I just said, if, if it's actually a product of entitlement and laziness, which I'm more inclined to believe it is, that's a huge issue. 
Okay, so then what about this question then? As a conservative person, this is the question that I am inclined to ask. Is it fair? Is it fair to say to everyone who doesn't feel like they're being worked fair hours or being compensated properly or their labor's being exploited, whatever language you want to use, is it fair to say life is rough, get over it? Do you want the black and white answer or do you want the more gray answer? Like, here's my thing is like, if you're not happy with your job, I, I I don't I don't agree with quitting and doing nothing. I say like, if you're not happy with your job, stay in your job, but go find something better. Yeah, and, you know sometimes that means as but, shitty as it is, go to like, night school if you really want to change your if you really want to change your trajectory, um, and you can't do it just purely based off your experience and what you've already done in the past. Go back to school, get take a couple courses, and then you know. Yeah. So it is fair to say life is rough. Yeah, life is problem with that. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are better off than others, you know, you know, for, you know, through inheritance, uh, intelligence, but should that mean because those people are better off through no, through no effort of their own that they should be brought down, brought down to the level of all the suffering that others are uh, are experiencing? No, not at all. No, yeah, I don't think I was saying that really, but Phil, what were you going to say? Oh, I I was just going to say that um, just purely switching jobs may not get to like the true root of the problem. Like for example, in the, in the work from home or remote scenario, um, I was reading an article um, and through the pandemic, more than half of the remote workers were up until midnight working, whether that's answering emails, whether it's being online. So you can certainly quit your job and go to something that you perceive as better. But if the landscape has changed so much, then it really becomes, it becomes a different question. It's like, right. well, where do, like Cameron mentioned at the beginning, like um, this balance between employer and employee, like who, who has here's the a, upper hand? Here's yeah. the thing about that, Phil. Like it's the whole system that. fucked basically. Mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of, I know a lot of remote workers. Personally, I'm a remote going to hybrid, but anyways, there's a big difference because you say people are staying up till midnight. They're not working from nine in the morning till midnight, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna start their day at nine. They're gonna work for an hour. They're gonna take a couple hours out. They're gonna go for a walk. They're gonna take their dog for a walk. They're gonna go do errands, groceries, whatever, and then come back, work for a couple hours, and mm-hmm. go. So there's almost an argument to make there. Is that better? Because instead of working a nine to five, you're working a couple hours here, going and doing some personal enjoyment stuff. You're or doing some personal stuff, coming back to work going away from your computer, doing some other stuff and then coming back. A lot of people mm-hmm. uh, appreciate that more because you can work and like, especially if you're like, if you have kids and stuff like that, they come home from school at three o'clock from three to five, you can't work. So those, those are like two hours in the morning, getting them off to, to school in the morning. You got a couple hours off there. So being you know, able to work. It's not clear that that's better, better though. And okay, wait, so we have, let's cut it. We have a minute left. So I think maybe we'll pick up on that. So we'll keep this discussion going. Let's frame it as for next episode. Is the pandemic induced phenomenon of working from home actually something good? And is that going to ameliorate these grievances by the people uh, who have been resigning in this great resignation phenomenon? And we need to discuss, and I think Phil, you were alluding to it earlier with the European discussions but four-day work week is Mm -hmm. that does that have the potential to ameliorate some of these 
grievances, real or perceived. Tune in, tune in for the next episode on Friday. Remember, like, share, comment, and remember, take care, brush your hair.